Hello, 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 and welcome back to The Darius Show. Now, if it's your first time here, I bet you're wondering, what the heck is The Darius Show? Well, I'm happy you asked. Basically, I watch a show, I talk about that show, you listen, and you enjoy. For today, we are going over Money Heist Part 3. If you're a long-time listener of this show, you will have already seen Part 1 and Part 2, available on all listening platforms right now. However, today we're going to be doing a review, recap, and discussion of part three. So without further ado, let's get right into it and roll the intro. It's the Darius Show, y'all already know. Drop your booty to the floor, come give me some more. It's the Darius Show. It's the Darius Show. And boy, do we have a doozy to talk about here today, guys, because season three changes things in very significant ways. So we pick up just a few years after the heist has taken place. Everyone has been living their lives in the remote areas around the world without a trace. The police have nothing on them. They don't know where the heck they went. They figured they must be around on some random island somewhere, but that's all they got. And the main plot that we pick back up with Well, before we get there, let's talk about the professor really quick, because everybody else is just doing their thing, but the professor is actually making good on his promise, and he's on a remote island. We find out that it's in Thailand, but he has actually started a life with Raquel and her daughter and her mother. He has really stepped up, and just like he said that he fantasized about doing in part two, he has made good on it, and he started a life out here away from all the hoo-ha with her with their new family together meanwhile we have tokyo and rio are just on a random island and the major plot that comes in here we see a lot of montaging of them just living out a wild adventure on this island making some really sweet memories and just kind of doing their thing in their own little slice of paradise but what we really see start to happen is this kind of drain on tokyo tokyo has never been the type to be able to just sit by and let the world kind of happen around her she needs to feel more at stake and she needs more variety essentially and she she starts to get sick of this situation and after a couple years she basically lets him know hey I gotta go I can't I can't take this being in this one spot this whole time I need a change of scenery and not only does she need that but she needs it without Rio she kind of leaves him behind what we see from Rio once this happens is a very mature You know, he's able to look at the situation and say, I understand you need that. Okay, I'll let you go. But the second that she leaves, we see him completely fall to pieces. He is heartbroken by this. He clearly wants to just live in this paradise with her forever. However, before she does go, he imparts with her a a remote little cell phone so that every other Tuesday or whatever the case was at a specific time, they can both kind of dial in and if they need to talk to each other, they can. It's kind of a last-ditch effort to remain some level of contact with her. And she goes off. She starts partying. You know, Tokyo doesn't miss a beat. It doesn't take much for her to fall in into some cool shenanigans. But um, she ends up making that call, and this is what ends up being their undoing, is because they made because they separated and made this pact to contact each other, they start pinging, and the police find their location immediately, within seconds. They do a fun little narrative tool here, um, where Tokyo's voice comes back in to start narrating again and and narrating how quickly the police are just exactly onto them in their location. Everything essentially starts to fall apart and the police pull up on Rio and they basically, they capture him. They completely abduct Rio and 
this is definitely a heartbreaking turn of events because Rio was the most innocent for the original heist. He still acts as our our kind of innocent little member of the party. You know, he's he's just here helping everyone. His stakes aren't quite as high and he's not as invested into this crime as everyone else was, which is why it's especially sad when he of everyone is the one that gets captured. Now, this ends up being the main reason why everybody gets back together and they kind of rally behind Rio having been abducted uh, to kind of find purpose again to get back together. And overall, I think this is just an excuse for some of the players here to their their life has been monotonous in hiding and they kind of want the opportunity to to up the stakes again in their lives. However, what what's interesting, the most interesting perspective we get when everyone gets back together is from Denver, and he really doesn't want to be a part of this. Uh, where De- What Denver has done in this last two years is he's also started a family with Monica. He has actually stepped in to be the pseudo-father for her child, who is actually Arturo's child. But he fully accepts this role and refers to this child as his own son. Now, I do think what's happening here is that since his father just passed away, he so strongly wants to cling onto this child and this potential family because he essentially wants to right the wrongs that existed with his own relationship with his now past father. He wants to be a great father, and he wants to to elevate this child to do great things. It's very great motivation for Denver, and I really appreciate the kind of character growth that we've come around on him for, and he originally is the one who is not about doing another heist at all. And there's a lot of levels that are happening here, so I am going to give this a little bit of attention. Not only does he not want to put him and Monica in a dangerous situation, but what he doesn't want to do is leave that child without a father. He's fully considered himself the father of this child. So for him to put himself in the situation where this child would experience the same kind of heartbreak that he did with his own parents, especially his father in part two, I think really shows the type of character development we've gotten with with Denver. When we first meet Denver, he's just a crazy party animal hothead who just wants to party and make money and get girls, you know? He's a very surface level character. But now he cares so much more about the people around him and the relationships that he's made. And I just really like that for his character. Of course, he ends up being convinced to join the heist again. And it's interesting that Monica is the main one who wants to do this. I'm not really sure what's going on with Monica. We call her Stockholm now, which is definitely a cool nickname for her. I like that she's kind of a part of the crew. But what's her motivation here? Does she like the thrill of it? She she's oh, She's pretty hungry to get into the mix here and get involved in her own heist. I don't know if she knows what she's quite getting into. But that's besides the point for now. Everybody who made it out alive on the first heist is back in it for heist number two. And heist number two, we actually pick up with a lot of new faces. Most of these characters don't really do way too much as it pertains to the plot, but it does flesh out the team a little bit, give some new dynamics to work with amongst the cast. And this new plan is actually to rob the Bank of Spain. So the ante is being upped by at least double fold. You know, this is this is logically the only way to top their previous heist. And this this plan is actually one that gets revealed to us, has been one in the works for many years now, even years before our original heist took place. And through flashbacks throughout the season, we learn that this is a heist that was dreamed up by Berlin and Palermo. Palermo is a new character we didn't see at all in part one or part two, and he steps up as the new leader of this heist, and he's Berlin's old friend. In a way, he steps in to kind of replace Berlin's character, at least how it pertains to 
how he runs the heist and his relationship to the hostages. In a way, he's a wild card, not always a good guy, kind of the bad guy, an antagonist on the good guy side. You know, that's the same role he plays as Berlin. But what he also plays is you see him really carrying a lot of the background information when we get these flashbacks to seeing how this heist was made. Now, I do have one big critique for the season, and I think that it it's suitable to bring it up while talking about Palermo, and it's that the season doesn't feel intended from the start. It really feels like Money Heist was supposed to be a season one and two open and shut cold case, you know? Their story really wrapped up. There weren't any hanging plot threads. However, all the all the situation that they bring up and they throw in all these backstories and and all, all this stuff of Palermo, it's just like none of that was established or even hinted at before. So it's just a little weird that it's all coming in such a big way in this season. And it just feels unnecessary, honestly. That's not to say that I don't enjoy watching this season because I think what it does is really fun. And the actors are just so good that even if the story wasn't originally planned, I will just have a great time watching these characters do whatever they're going to do. <laughs> and and by the, by the time we get through like let's say half of the season you the the story that they get you involved in here is worth telling don't get me wrong but it just feels like it wasn't intended from the start like everything that happens in in part 3 gets introduced at the beginning of part 3 it's all brand new plot and it just and and Palermo's the perfect way of showing that because he's such a prominent part of part 3 but again we've never even heard his name in part 1 or 2 it's just a small critique. It's just a little bit weird. And even his position just replacing Berlin feels like we're just we're just doing the same thing over again, but we're placing new characters in these roles to find slightly different narratives. And I just don't I just don't know how I feel about that overall. However, however, Palermo as a performance is pretty phenomenal to me. I don't like his character, but I don't think you're supposed to. He's not very likable. He's kind of a dick. He, we see that Helsinki falls in love with him, and he doesn't return any of that back. He just kind of uses Helsinki as a fuck toy, you know? They just kind of smash and dip, and we know that Helsinki wants more. He's a dick to Nairobi. He calls people out, and we it's shown as soon as he has the power to be the leader in this situation, he starts abusing it just like Berlin did. So... I don't like his character, but what they do with him is a wonderful performance. This actor is, is he's, his acting is that of like a dramatic play or like a Broadway drama. He is just bringing it and is like overacting in every regard. And it just really works. He's so much fun. <laughs> There's even a segment where he gets blinded by a bunch of glass that lands right in his face and he doesn't miss a beat. He gets, he freaks out for a second and then he immediately elects Denver to be his like walking dog you know, seeing eye dog, whatever you want to call it. And he's still making calls. He's still being the head honcho. He takes this job very seriously being the leader. Again, I, he's not a character that we needed to see, but once we got him introduced, he's a great character to bounce our other characters off of. I am getting a little ahead of myself because I would be completely remiss if I didn't bring up the inspector. I guess I'll stop calling her inspector and I'll start calling her Lisbon now because that's who, that's what her character is in this season. She's fully joined the team and she's kind of the professor's right-hand man, the an, an, an extra guy in the chair, you know, to kind of help them out remotely. And it is fun seeing their dynamic kind of co-professor, kind of co-run this heist together. But I will say that it is a heavy loss to not see that dance between the professor and Raquel anymore. It was just super fun to see them be at opposite ends of each other and seeing that flip coin relationship that they had. It's just a big, a big part of what I really liked about the show. 
there's still plenty happening here to get me enthralled and engaged in it. I do think that we lose a little bit in that dance. That being said, the new inspector that gets brought in is amazing, and we will touch on that a little bit more in this review, but I want to stay focused here and talk about one thing at a time. But because we lose a little bit of that dynamic between the inspector and the professor, or Raquel and the professor to be more specific, because there's multiple inspectors at this point, uh, because we lose that, and then we also lose the dynamic between Rio and Tokyo. And because because Rio's no longer present with the crew right now, he's actually being tortured. A big another big motivating factor for doing this heist and being able to get Rio back. Uh, because we're not getting them those two characters playing off of each other anymore, I feel like Tokyo's role overall just becomes more muted. And those were two of the biggest parts of se- of part one and two is is that relationship between Rio and Tokyo and the dynamic between the professor and the inspector. Now that both of those are being stripped back a little bit, what it actually makes room for is for Nairobi to emerge as kind of the star of this season. She comes out and just has a lot of hefty plot line. We hit, we get this weird tri- love triangle between her, Helsinki, and Palermo. That's one dynamic. We're getting the enriching the the plot line that she doesn't have this relationship with her son and she's chosen to remain out of his life even though she's gotten the money that she wanted. It's just interesting to see what they do with her and she really does carry season 3 as kind of like a main character. She wasn't like she obviously has been a part of the main cast, but her emerging as a main character doesn't fully happen until part 3 and I love every second of it. Before I go any further, I have to talk about my favorite scene, my favorite like heist scene. You know, there's a lot of moments that are very heisty, even though the whole the whole series were involved in a heist in one way or another, but one of my favorite heist moments are them infiltrating the infiltrating the Bank of Spain. And they do this by by disguising themselves as a SWAT car. And what they use to their advantage is what their reputation has been years after they pulled off this heist now. People look to them, the Dali, let's call them because of their mask, as a symbol of independence and fighting back. Something the professor has been calculating towards this entire time. And they it's really cool to just see this type of dynamic being pulled off and they use it to their advantage i say again and they kind of trojan horse their way right into the bank of spain and before anyone realizes it they've already taken it over like i love how effectively they pull off this kind of like switcheroo situation and all of a sudden there here it is heist part two and they pull it off seamlessly and it's one of the them doing this really makes me believe that they can pull this off with enough, you know, proper planning and and playing to their proper rules. They really pull it off in a very impressive way. Now, let's talk about the new inspector, Alicia. She is certainly one of the most threatening characters that gets introduced here. Earlier, I talked about how I don't love how this season feels like we're just doing the same thing all over again, but replacing these characters in for the old characters, right? Palermo is the new Berlin, Alicia is the new pers- uh, inspector, yada, yada. You get it, right? But what she brings to the table is so much more than that. She, So she's also the one that has been um, torturing Rio. What we get out of this character is a much more sadistic one, one who is not afraid of crossing any ethical boundaries, and one who is fierce and like a shark. She's also pregnant, which just visually makes her very interesting. We only see her prominent, ready-to-burst belly as she's always uh, consuming some type of candy, usually a lollipop. And visually, she just comes across as this 
crazy threat that doesn't care about boundaries and is just willing to cross any line to get what she wants, right? And of course, we do see that in a big moment at the end of the season. I'm going to get there, trust me. But what we get between her dynamic, like I said before, we don't get that dynamic between Raquel and the professor. But now what we're seeing is Raquel and the professor versus an even larger threat in the new inspector. And it doesn't have the same flavor of the dance that was being played between the aforementioned characters. But what, what is brought to the light here is a much higher stakes situation. And it's more of a, a knife fight, let's say, than a salsa dance that we got before. This one is much more serious, much more at their throats, and much more of an attack, counterattack, counterattack, counterattack. So again, she does elevate the season a lot. I do think that the critiques of the season hold that it isn't necessary and it's like a brand new story. However, it's it comes down to the performances of the actors that we've seen before that are getting enriched and then the new characters that we're bringing in that really elevate the show and make it still very watchable and very bingeable from episode to episode. Before we get into the climax plot of this entire season or part three, let's say, one other character I want to talk about that we pick back up in with season three is Arturo, or I'm going to call him Arturito as Denver likes to call him. But in this time, he basically has gained some fame and notoriety because he writes a book about his experience from the first heist being, you know, a hostage who did fight back in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, he organized one of the groups that were able to escape. So he gets a little bit of fame. Uh, so in, on paper, he's a success. He's even lost some weight. He has a nice haircut. So at first glance, he's looking very successful post post first heist, let's say. Right. But then you get a little bit more of the layers to his character and you realize he's lost everything. He lost his family in a way. He doesn't have any of he was choosing between two loves of his life before. But now he doesn't have any of those options. And he hasn't even been able to meet his child that's been born somewhere in the world. So when once this heist happens, it, it piques his interest greatly. And what we end up seeing is him actually managing to escape into the heist. Like he rejoins the heist. And the, the implication here being the subtext is that the excitement of the heist is more than he's ever received in his life. And it's the, it's more exciting than even this new fame for him. You know, he's actually alive in the heist. It's, it feels like his actions actually mean something. I, I believe that's kind of what's happening for his character. But anyways, he jumps back into the fray. By the end of the season, he doesn't really do much to take action other than we get a few dramatic scenes between him and, him and Monica. Uh, he wants to see his family again. I guess he is kind of uh, organizing some distrust between Monica and Denver and therefore the captors at large. He's kind of disrupting them a little bit, basically what he did in the first heist. But I hope that they do something big with his character to justify reintroducing him in this way. Otherwise, he's going to continue to just be an annoying pest that doesn't do anything but shake things up, you know? All right, so now we're going to get into the big climax of this season. And a couple other things to mention, I suppose. We do get some new characters introduced. Like I said, there's some new people on the heist team. And I should actually get into a bit of what this actual heist entails. They actually have a, a, a team that's diving underwater to get into this special vault where all the gold is being kept, where they can melt the gold into little chips for easier escaping for it it's a completely nuanced way to go about this heist that the lights of which we haven't seen before and it definitely adds a new energy to it it's fun to see how they're going about it and they're involving some new expert blacksmiths to really pull it off so that's really cool and all 
However, what's happening on the side is the the new inspector has launched a new attack, and this time she's coming for Nairobi. Our the person who I mentioned before has emerged as the new heart to our team, and essentially what she does is she grabs this teddy bear. Uh, the teddy bear belonging to her son, one that she would definitely recognize from when he was a baby. And she just puts it right out in the front of the heist. Um, and this is basically is a bait for her. This is She knows that she's going to take it. We know that it has something to do with their child, and they do take it. They go and they get the teddy bear, and they come back in, and there's a cell phone inside, and that ends up contacting Nairobi to the inspector. And the inspector reveals, I have your child. If you don't believe me, just come look outside. You know, and it seems like she's offering Nairobi a deal here, you know, tempting her to betray her team. And it even seems like she might do that. You know, it brings Nairobi's to tears to just see her child. She hasn't seen him since she was an, since he was an infant. And here he is, a little five-year-old or something like that, having full conversations. And at first, she's just so overwhelmed with the fact that he is just physically okay. Just the fact that he's there, that overwhelms her. And just as, we're, as just as we're getting this emotional moment with Nairobi and she's crying and she's in tears, all of a sudden we get a shot from the police perspective. They've got a, a clean shot of Nairobi and they go re- re- requesting permission to fire. Now, when we've seen the previous inspector, Raquel, have these opportunities where she could have shot at the people running the heist, she always hesitates. She doesn't, she doesn't take the shot or at least not right away. However, this new inspector, immediately, zero hesitation, when they say they have the shot, she orders the shot. As as Nairobi's child is there in view, she orders a shot right on Nairobi, and she gets wrecked right there in the chest, seemingly a, a, a wound that you cannot come back from. And and that's where we leave off in that episode, is, is all of a sudden she gets shot right then and there. Meanwhile, something even juicier is happening, as for this full episode, We've seen the inspector and the, ah, I got to stop saying that. Lisbon and the professor are out in the woods. They're doing their remote work. They're doing their cool little thing, but then they get spotted. And now it's a, now it's a wild goose chase. There's police all over these woods and the professor and Lisbon are both hiding out. You know, let's fast forward a little bit. And essentially she gets found. Lisbon is found. She still has her earpiece connected to the professor so he can hear everything that's happening. And this is the most impressive attack that the new inspector pulls. The attack on Nairobi, that was crazy. That caught me off guard. I didn't expect it. It was impressive and it was effective. But what happens next really got me. (laughs) So the new inspector launches what is definitely the most dangerous attack yet in tricking the professor. This is the first time we've seen somebody actually trick the professor. Somebody be full-on steps ahead of the professor. Usually, he's the one ahead. This is the first time we really see someone pull ahead of him. And in doing that, she completely manipulates him. She essentially orders Suarez to make it seem like she, like he executed uh, Lisbon, and like audio-wise, because she knew that the professor would be listening in. There's no way he wouldn't have an audio thing, you know, hooked up to it. And essentially, they convince the professor. Now, usually the professor wouldn't fall for this, but he's dumbstruck with love. He can't help it. And as he's sprinting towards the location to try to try to save her, he hears Executor now. And he hears all this dialogue, the gunshot, and make it look like she did it. It's very convincing. Honestly, they convinced me for a minute, a, a hot minute there. I thought that she was dead too. But it's in this moment, while they let the audience believe that maybe she did get killed, that... 
the professor also finds out that they just launched an attack on Nairobi. This happened pretty much at the same time. And he's on the phone with Palermo and he says, this is no longer a heist. This is a war. Act accordingly. And and it's this is the moment where they've really been duped. This is where our heist team isn't no is no longer this Robin Hood group of people. They are criminals because what happens next crosses a line that they can't go back from. And Palermo orders Rio and Tokyo to launch a full on RPG at an incoming tank. Because Nairobi had just been shot, the police found this as a great opportunity to invade them as one of their main members is possibly dead or or what might even be a better distraction, dying and bleeding out. So that to go in amongst all that confusion and chaos is definitely advantageous for them. What they didn't expect is for freaking Rio and freaking Tokyo to have a full-on RPG shooting at them, and they totally blow up that car. I, I'm pretty sure that people died there, but at the very least, we saw people running around on fire. So the damage that they inflicted here is just crazy, and they did it in response to the fact that two of their members have just been executed. Now, what we quickly learn, the audience, is that Lisbon is not executed. She's just been captured. They only did this to manipulate the professor, to get him to an agitated state, to start making bad decisions like this one, where they'll they'll start to lose the public perception of them being Robin Hood figures because now they just shot at the freaking police. <laughs> at this very moment, Nairobi isn't quite dead yet either. I don't know if they're still planning to resuscitate her or if that's even possible. It doesn't seem like it was very possible to me, but that's where, that's where our season pretty much comes to a close. We don't know what's going to happen next. And the stakes couldn't have been higher. Uh, I definitely didn't expect this to happen. And I assume that our group would continue to not really have any blood on their hands except for that that is self-inflicted like we saw in the first part. But I don't know. It's just this show is a lot. And I got to say, coming into the season, I really wasn't on board. I thought that these were all just too crazy of changes. But what we get really surprised me and they've got me hooked again. And so... Here I am biting on the chops for a little bit more money heist. So you guys can expect another review, recap, and discussion of part four coming your way as soon as I finish watching that one. One thing I would like to mention, I forgot to bring this up in the first path of this review, is there are some new players that are heist or excuse me, hostages. And that is the governor of the bank. He kind of runs it. This is like the new Arturo character. He is necessary. His information is very necessary. However, he's a very capable person, and he he definitely seems like someone who is going to be a major player probably in the second half of this story in part four. And with him, he has a group of like six bodyguards that are here as well who are also trained like assault team people. So if they end up getting freed, I'm sure that they're going to be a, a completely imposing threat as well. Just another way to up the stakes, up the ante for this heist as compared to the first one. So yeah, that's going to bring our conversation to a close. Will the professor be able to get Lisbon back? Will he be able to figure out that Lisbon is actually still alive? And and how is our team going to get out of this one now that they've actually uh, inflicted some major harm? I guess that isn't new. They definitely have shot many uh, police officers in the past. So that's that's nothing too new. But how will they get out of this one? We'll see. And And is Palermo going to continue to be a foe? Is he going to come up and be like a major villain of the season or are we going to start getting some more redeeming factors for his character let's see we'll find this all out and more on my next episode thank you so much for listening i love you